Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to the Mastercast, the tactical podcast. I'm your host, Haydar Rabani. Manchester United have just won 3-1, an absolutely fantastic performance. That second half was brilliant, Rob. Goals by Cavani. Fred got on the score sheet as well. And Mason, I'm delighted for him to get that goal in the end. Definitely a deserved victory for us, Rob. How did you find that game and how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you, Haydar. Um, Fantastic, obviously. Uh, I think when you look at that match, the first half was a little bit foreboding. The kind of Manchester United we don't like to see, even though they were 100% robbed of a goal by the referee and VAR and whatever you want to call it. But I think that second half was the best version of Manchester United that we can see. This is the, the potential of this team. And I think you see the a Tottenham side that humiliated Manchester United only a matter of months ago, came to Old Trafford, scored six couldn't really do anything against this United side today. United have kind of upgraded their performances position for position, and I think that showed in the second half. But for me, this is what you get when you play Paul Pogba behind a striker in a three, in a 4-2-3-1 with a proper double pivot. This is what you get from a player who has consummate skill and vision and can open up defences just from his natural game. That's why United won this match. Paul Pogba was my man in a match. It wasn't Cavani. And I think Manchester United fully deserved the three points. Yeah, Pogba was a standout for me as well, Rob. But look, let's let's talk about the formation first. 4-2-3-1. We saw Pogba play out on the left. A lot of people talking about diamonds and all that rubbish. We don't play diamonds. We played it a handful mm-hmm. of times this season. Pogba's on the left and Cavani up top, which was, I think, a bit of a surprise. I thought we might have seen Mason. But um, we went back to McFred. One of the sort of key things I looked at before the game was Maynard had to stop Harry Kane. 
that was massive for United today. That stop came from dropping back into spaces and then, you know, being able to pick up the ball and play those passes to Son, Moore, whoever's making those runs in behind. And initially in the first sort of, I would say, first 20 minutes or so, United struggled with that a little bit. But once they sort of got a handle on the game, you know, it was about United really just getting out of the gears. That's what I felt today. If United played with the right intensity, the right tempo, they'd win this game. And uh, that first half really was sort of the worst of United. And that second half was the best. Game of two halves, I'd say. Yep, the cliches are all perfect for this game, I think, when you look at United's performance. Uh, and I think as well, we see with this United team, the, the, the dysfunction in their personality is what I would call it. So you want your team to come out in this kind of game, up for it, you know, putting the tackles in, showing that they're ready and the endeavour is there. But I think what you see with this United team is that with their personality, they're just slow starters and they finish well. You know, they get into a match, they work the game out as they go along, as opposed to maybe having this kind of set play from the start. And I think that once Tottenham really couldn't take advantage of that, and the first half, obviously, they were 1-0 up at half time. We'll talk about those goals. Um, they couldn't really put their foot on the gas in the second half just because of how United played. I just think United, they can play one-touch football, but we just don't see it enough. There's just the confidence isn't really there most of the time. The only way you can do this, Haydar, is by putting a ball player in that front three. And that front three behind the striker, it's not about Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes has a bad day. You know, I don't think Bruno passed the ball particularly well today. It's you've got to have someone else that can pass a ball. And that's why you take Paul Pogba out the double pivot. You stick him behind a striker and you let him go and do his thing. And there's no way you can mark it. That's the whole point. Spurs today defensively are a much better team than they used to be. But there were gaps for United to exploit. I tweeted at half time that there was space in the Tottenham box to exploit. And we saw that in the second half. Absolutely. Let's talk about Paul Pogba, Rob, because obviously I thought he was fantastic today. I think one of the biggest things that we saw is he was everywhere, wasn't he? In the second half, he was finding himself on the right. He came centrally. I mean, I think that final goal for Mason really epitomised what he can bring, the way he can pick it up, he can turn, the strength. For such a... He's a formidable player. You know, He's a tall, tall player, but he's got great sort of centre of gravity. Um, and then to pick the pass out as well. What I found today, Rob, is how influential you know he was in progressing the ball you know United he got the ball into key areas further up in the pitch and I actually thought that he was the real sole creator today Bruno wasn't as influential but what you find with United looking like a better side is once you have someone like Paul Pogba as well as Bruno two creators almost camping you know sort of on the edge of the opposition box picking up those pockets of space it's going to scare any single any team isn't it so I thought what was fantastic today as well is how Pogba was providing those crosses into the box we saw Cavani get on or get close to getting on a few and that's where you want to see Rob I know uh, Pogba I know last week we said that you know I like him a bit further back you said you want to get him further forward either way he's just such a talented footballer that if you do get him a that bit further forward he's just going to hurt teams well there's no doubt that Paul Pogba is talented we all know this we all know why Manchester United signed him and brought him back to the football club we all know why he's a world cup winner it's about how do you use him in this moment for United now in this run-in? How do you find a way to get the most out of Paul Pogba? And I know that your preference is to play him in the double pivot, but I think as we saw today, McTominay and Fred were not particularly good in the first half. The second half, they came into their own, especially Fred. Fred's work weight was excellent. He deserved his goal. He did really well to make that kind of late second-man run for the ball and to, to kind of hoover up and score the goal. 
but you want Paul Pogba pulling strings. You can't pull strings 10 yards, 20 yards from Dean Henderson. That's not the way the game works, not the modern game. So if you want your ball players to play, you know, dazzling football in the final third, you, you better put Paul Pogba at least 10 yards away from Cavani. That's how football works in the terms of creation. So we know that creation is an issue for United. It's something that they're going to have to address in the transfer market, certainly in the next one and even in the one after that, because we need more creators. But in this moment of time, I want to see Paul Pogba playing on the edge of the opposition box because if he loses the ball there, I don't really care. It gives him the opportunity to like score goals, but also to set them up. You saw in that last minute there, I was just saying, keep the ball, Paul, keep the ball, Paul. But what did he do? A little shuffle, beats a player, looks up, slides in Mason and Mason gets a goal. We were talk about strikers getting easy goals. There was stuff for Mason to do there. But today he got a goal and assist off the bench. And that's really, really good. It shows that he can he has a function in this team, but only if he's got the right players around him. You mentioned Mason there, Rob. I think one of the biggest things I can say about him is that his all-round game has improved. And I think what epitomized that was that cross. First time off the right. I saw a, I saw a tweet actually from uh, Julian Laurent, you know, the French uh, journalist, and he said that two minutes before the goal, Cavani told Mason to play the ball into him quickly into the box. You know, and then obviously the next pass, that he, uh, next cross he did was first time, uh, first time one for Cavani to finish. But that sort of epitomizes Mason, doesn't it? Because he hasn't scored many goals. I believe he's only got a couple of Premier League goals this season. He's had a difficult game, a uh, difficult time off the pitch. But he is now starting to affect games. He isn't just, you know, um, going for goal. He is looking for these crosses. He is trying to bring others into the game. His hold up plays better. You know, where, what are your thoughts on his sort of? positioning next season and for the future because he's he is developing into a good right winger i still think he's a center forward but um you know he can definitely do a job there possibly you know for another season before we have to think about ahmad or someone else well i'll pull you up there what you said there about the word right winger if united played with wingers then i wouldn't play mason wide because he's not a winger but we don't play with wingers we play 4-2-3-1 they play narrow they play in the channel and then you can have forwards the kind of modern forward not a number nine not striker but a forward like Marcus Rashford is you can play them in that zone in the channel because if that they'll get chances and it also means they can create because it's uh it's just quick balls it's playing it's playing intelligent football you don't need a winger like Andre Konchelskis as I would give an example who goes on the outside and swings the ball in or Ryan Giggs or someone like that those days have gone they're not wingers anymore. They're forwards. So this is why the whole Sancho debate is interesting because Sancho would, wouldn't come into the football club as a winger. He's not a winger either. So he would be playing in the same position as Mason. So what you have to ask is if you want to play Mason Greenwood, more minutes, whether that be off the bench or as a starter, and you think he can be the guy that scores you goals and gets you assists, you've only got to look at Marcus's numbers, a player that was really kind of derided a year or two or three ago. No production, couldn't score goals, useless, not United quality, all of those things. He's now actually got more goals than any non-penalty taker this season in the Premier League. So that's an incredible statistic for a player. And I think we'll see that mirrored with Mason Greenwood. I think as he goes forward, he doesn't need to be the number nine to affect games. He needs to just be in and around the box. That's the kind of player he is. Left foot, right foot you saw today he went on the outside in the channel 
and he hit it, and there was no way that Lloris was going to save that. And it's all about giving these guys good opportunities, Haydar, and that's why I want Paul Pogba playing around that area because he's the one player on the pitch, even more than, than Bruno. We know Bruno's got plenty of assists, but Bruno's not really a creator. He's just a kind of final ball merchant. So he'll take, he'll make that little pass that you want. And that's great. It's important. But Pogba is a creator. And there are other creators in the squad, but it's about making that work because it doesn't always work with United. Today, we saw United try and do something more than just playing transition football. So United often play on the counter-attack. I think that's kind of how they started the season, how they ended last season. But they've been forced to play more actual football. And that's what this game was about. In the first half, it didn't quite click. But in the second half, it was all there. And it showed that we do have talent. You play quick one-touch one football, you're going to get in the box, you're going to score goals. Yeah, 100%, Rob. You know, when you look at the resolve as well in this squad, no side in the Premier League has got more points from, from losing positions. That's 25 now. Oh, well, it's probably 28 now, actually, with that with that victory. No other side has more. I mean, that's incredible resolve. We've discussed before, you know, United's tendency to go behind in games. I think it was a bit un unfair the way United did, well, the goal that was disallowed. And I think we should probably talk about that now and sort of break that down because, you know, United didn't deserve to go 1-0 down at half time, you know, and that could easily have knocked the stuffing out of the side. We've said many times, Rob, that, you know, sometimes um, there are sometimes lack of leadership in this side, but they didn't let it get to them. They got back into it. But going into that goal, it was just, it was ridiculous. Let's break it down. So the refereeing body, the PGMOL, said that um, it for McTominay's foul, it wasn't part of McTominay's natural running movement and was careless. <laughs> now, let's break that bit down, but let's also break down what VAR is because VAR is for clear and obvious errors. Where was the clear and obvious in this? Let's break that down. So let's start at the list part. I think that's interesting because I thought football was a tech sport. And then let's talk about VAR because I know that you, you are much more well-versed in this than myself. Right. Well, yes, you're right. VAR is, was introduced to highlight clear and obvious errors. So when a referee on the on-field gets it completely wrong, he then has a monitor and a backup referee to help him. I'm all for that. You know, I've always been a kind of advocate of technology and for VAR used in the correct circumstances. In that moment, the referee has got kind of one or two or three choices to make. So in real time, before we see the goal happen, he has to decide whether McTonney has kind of flared his arm out. You know, in basketball, you'd kind of call it an illegal push-off. But in football, it's the same thing. You know, if you catch someone in the face like that and it's a deliberate act, then, of course, it's a yellow card and it's a booking. There was a kind of train of thought, and this was highlighted by Gary Neville as well and, and the TV team, that, that the referee in the VAR kind of came to this kind of su summary that it was a careless act and that it wasn't deliberate but it was a foul. That doesn't sit well with me because as I tweeted as well about this, football is a contact sport. Contact does not mean foul, not every time. And if the referee deems that as an accident, and let's, let's be honest, even the replay does show it's the, it's the slightest of contacts across the face. Like he might, he might have given him a kind of clean shave there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All the way across. That's how, how kind of tight it was like a, a kind of cutthroat across the cheek. There was nothing in it. It's not really a foul. The reason why it's given is because Sun falls to the floor, lies on the ground for five minutes and rolls around. So if you want to promote 
that and allow players to win fouls in that way, then by all means, give fouls for those things. But supposedly football doesn't want to do that. Football doesn't want to kind of be soft and football wants to keep contact in the game and all of these things. Ultimately, it was bad refereeing. The referee, I don't like using this word. I very rarely use it in professional terms. He bottled it. He bottled it in that moment because he's watching the monitor and he's thinking, is it or isn't it? Am I going to get killed tomorrow if I don't give this or should I give it? And he gives it because in that moment, he doesn't trust his own instinct. If they both think it's an accident, VAR does not clearly show it was clear and obvious. That's as simple as that. Had McTominay showed the palm and the hand to the face and caught him and slapped him or caught him on the chin or something like that or some significant contact, of course, it's a foul. There's nothing to debate. VAR catches that. It's clear and obvious. But to the fact that it kind of like brushes across him, you can't even hear it on my mic. It's ridiculous. That's not a foul. But also, so, Rob, if it, if it was a foul, McTominay was on the yellow card, so shouldn't that be then a second yellow and then well, he's off? That, that's what the referee has to decide in that moment. If it's a deliberate act, so we're talking about hand-to-face, hand-to-face in a deliberate act would be a yellow card, at least, maybe even a red. But McTominay doesn't even really know where the player is. He just kind of flares his arm out. There is a movement, but to say that it's careless actually goes against the rule book because you've got to go to what the rules say. And there's not really a kind of careless act bit in the rules. There's dangerous and things like that, but not really careless. So he just kind of like put his arm out and that was the careless and that's the, nah, sorry. Referee sees it in real time. I don't want VAR used for those kind of things. And I'm an advocate for VAR. Had it been the other way around and Tottenham score a goal and it was disallowed for that, I would be now sat here on our podcast saying that it was unfair that the goal should have stood. It's not about partisanship or who your team is. It's about the game. Uh, it's a it's a stupid decision. And I didn't see one person kind of, you know, in my industry or sport kind of look at it and say, well, yeah, that is the kind of foul we want to see. Because it's just not a foul. If he thinks it's a foul and it's a deliberate hand in the face, then McTominay has to walk. And then that is at least justified because the referee is then kind of making a clear choice about using the monitor. But I think he looks at the monitor and you can even see he's a little bit like, mm, what am I looking at? Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, foul. I'm going to, you know, uh, yeah, you know, free kick. It's like, no, 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 no. So it was a bad call. But of course, then in those moments, United are then rattled for two or three minutes. The ball goes down the opposite end. And we'll talk about that goal. It was a bad goal to give away, but it was probably the only moment in the match where United look vulnerable just for a kind yeah. of split second. Yeah, I'm just going to read out this comment here, Rob, um, from Helen, which is from Joe Tamino in his comments just now. He said, my opinion was we didn't deserve this result at all. We were unlucky because maybe Pogba should get a red card from the elbow and Serge Aurier. Jo look, Jose doing what Jose does, really, just trying to deflect. Um, look, Manchester United... Jose trying not to get sacked. This yeah, is what try, this yeah. is. Which is that which is a very big possibility, yeah. isn't it? Like, you know, Spurs, Spurs, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's been a, it's been a poor season for them. But when you're looking at it, as you just said, the only time really where United looked vulnerable, I can think of two two moments really. The obviously the goal and when Cavani headed it onto, which wasn't really vulnerable, but it was the closest that they came to scoring. Apart from that, I thought they were pretty toothless. But talking about that goal, Rob, look, you have to point out Lindelof should have done better for me. Uh, I would argue maybe even Wan-Bissaka's positioning as well. Again, perhaps switching off. But this is this is where what was frustrating me in the first half because I thought selection was spot on. I thought Oli 
got it spot on in terms of setup, setting them out, sending them out there. But United have a tendency sometimes to just be a bit a bit slow with everything, you know, lacking intensity. They went long a lot as well, which uh, which was interesting. And, uh, you know, sort of for me, I thought that because of Spurs' strength in transition and the way they can break, uh, you know, I felt like United were going long to make sure they weren't caught up the field with the ball, you know, in terms of getting broken on. But after that, you know, United were right on it. Tense, intensity up, tempo up, getting Paul Pogba in the right positions. You know, does it sometimes take United to go behind to kick them into gear? Well, we can make that summary because we've seen it so often this season that, you know, when they go behind, they suddenly, the Jackal and Hyde uh, moment kicks in and United change to the, the, other, the other version of themselves. Um, so, yes, but what I will say is that, you know, I know this is the boring bit, but I talk a lot, obviously, about it being a work in progress. And people go, well, how long is this work in progress? Two years, three years, five years? How long do we have to wait? I think we do see that when Manchester United have got their best 11 out or what they would consider their best 11, and they play certain kinds of teams, certainly teams that want to play in on the counter themselves, like Spurs do. Spurs want to kind of push up and, and kind of make, you know, make Kane and Son the focal point then you can kind of play through them, you know, one or two passes, but you have to have the confidence to do that. So that doesn't start with a double pivot. The double pivot has to just go and do its defensive job and that back six have to kind of look after the game. But the idea is that when you get the ball to your three behind the striker, that's when they should be able to step past their markers. So the only person that really did that today, I think, was Pogba. So in the first half, Pogba was, I think, getting caught maybe a little bit deeper. He was kind of coming for the ball a little bit more and it was very easy to shepherd him. But in the second half, you could see that Ole had changed that and Ole had him on the right for five minutes, in the middle for five minutes, on the left for five minutes. He became impossible to mark. So I think when you look at the United, that's the kind of football I think Ole wants to play eventually, but it is a work in progress. You can't do that against every team. You can't do that against Man City. You know, if you play like against Man City, City carve you apart, they get the ball deeper, they work through you and you lose 5-0 and everyone goes, oh, you lost 5-0. But against Tottenham, when you maybe feel a little bit hurt by the first half decision, you maybe feel that you've been a little bit besmirked where you should have been at least level or, or in front, you can come out with a little bit more kind of energy with a bit more adrenaline in your veins and you can go and play. And they went and played just to make sure players are playing in the right areas it's really important that the fullbacks do their jobs and they keep going up and down Luke Shaw I think again was fantastic today I think he is the best left back in the league um he's going to be I think also up potentially for player of the season just the way Not he carries play. it Rob he's, he's yeah so, he's, he's definitely in the best carrier. yeah when we talk about players of the season maybe the top six in the PFA player of the year I would definitely say he's in the top six this year well 100 you know he kind of his whole his whole game the way he reads the game now the way that he kind of applies himself both defensively and offensively. He's got it all. And I think in the second half, what we saw was that Wan-Bissaka was obviously given a little bit of a rocket. He was told to obviously get forward, stretch the game a little bit more. And you saw that that really hurt Son. Son then couldn't go and play off Wan-Bissaka and wait for the tackle. Son had to go in the opposite direction, which is not where he wants to be. You know, if he gets the ball on the halfway line, you're really hurting Sun's game. So just having your your overlapping fullbacks and doing that and playing actual football and playing through the lines and, and doing normal football stuff that maybe United don't do so well, just doing that can really, really compromise the opponent. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well said. There's a question here, Rob, which I'm going to bring in. And guys, we're going to be taking questions, so make sure you get them in. Thank you for all your comments and your engagement. Uh, should Paul be played on the left wing? You know, I don't think he's a traditional left-sided player, but, you know... We don't play with wingers. We yeah. don't play with wingers. So let's but listen. Until we get a good defensive The word field. wing, we Man United fans have to understand the word wing has gone. Wing means on the sides, right on the lines. And if we play players on the proper wing, we would not be playing 4 2 3 1. We would be playing 4 3 3, or we'd be playing 4 2, uh, we'd be playing 4 4 2, or something that was a wing system. We don't play wing wingers. We haven't played wingers for years. We don't have wingers in our in our squad. We don't we have, have players. That goes, Dan James is the only one. Like who's, Dan, Dan James, you would say, is, is your most traditional winger just because you've got yeah. pace. So Rashford was a winger when he was a kid. He played on he played wide in the wide areas, but he most certainly is not a winger. And you wouldn't say that Marcus Rashford gets past his man and then swings the ball in the box like a winger would. So that would help your striker if you're Cavani because you want some wing play. But which team plays in the Premier League now with effective wingers? Pretty much no one. No one at the top end of the game. Uh, you don't really have wingers that kind of over. what the fullbacks are for, Rob. They're they the are wingbacks. The they are wingbacks. So that's what they do. So Luke Shaw is the guy you want crossing the ball into the box. But he's not a winger. He's a left back, but he is a kind of more progressive left wing back in, in the modern game. But just saying there about uh, what was the question again? What was the what did it, what did it say? Did, can we? So, you know, would you play Pogba? Let's say play Pogba further forward I would play, uh, until United yeah. get a defense midfielder. I would play Paul Pogba where he played today. Play Paul Pogba where he played today for the rest of the season at every game. Play him there, and then and then you can switch him in matches. Like if you do need him in the double pivot for whatever reason, then I've got nothing against him playing in the double pivot. I just think he's a less of a player picking the ball up off Harry Maguire. I want Fred doing that. I want water carriers doing that. I don't want my best talent, my the guy who can give me that special moment of magic, picking the ball up the wrong side of the halfway line. Because he's just not going to play the final ball. So go and play him where the danger is, where 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 players look up at him and go, "That's Paul Pogba there. I need to defend this because Paul Pogba is going to kill me. I need to mark him." And then then it opens the pitch up. That's how it works. So I think sometimes United's four two three one is that the three can be sometimes a little bit too rigid. And what I mean is that they kind of just do straight line football. So you get the ball, Rashford goes in a straight line, the ball goes in a straight line, and he runs the channel. It's easy to defend. I'd argue as well, Rob, that, you know, sort of Bruno and the front three can sometimes get isolated as well. Absolutely. From the two that are behind. And, you know, when Pogba's playing on that left, I think that was the thing. What I worried about a little bit today was that I love the combination of Marcus and Luke on that on that left hand side built a brilliant understanding they've obviously they're both direct and I was worried that you know when Pogba pay, plays would that affect the way that Shaw plays but actually Pogba coming in and almost you know playing playing a bit more in field helps United when you play McFred because what happens is they've got an option to pick up the ball and actually play those more progressive passes. Yeah, the TV crew again spent the whole of the first half saying, oh, United have kind of shot themselves in the foot here by playing Paul Pogba in this position because now they can't counter-attack. Well, that that wasn't the tactics. So if that was the tactics, then of course they'd be shooting themselves in the foot. But United were not sitting back and playing counter-attack football. Uh, it's also worth noting that Paul Pogba is probably in the top three fastest players in the actual team. So it's a kind of weird 
summary again to say that you can't play with pace because Paul Pogba has got pace, just that he generally doesn't utilise it. It's not his game. He's a ball player. So he could run in a straight line if United were playing straight line channel counter-attacking transition football. That's not what we were trying to do. We were trying to play actual good passing style football around Cavani, around playing in those areas to, to make a chance. So we saw it in the first half with the goal that wasn't given. And that was Paul Pogba picking the ball up in the pocket in the left channel and the reason why I like Paul Pogba there rather than, say, Marcus, and I know Marcus prefers to be in the left channel, that's his preferred starting role, is that Marcus doesn't play that ball. Marcus doesn't. Marcus comes in on his right and whacks it because that's what Marcus does. Or he's looking to score. He's not making a crafty pass for the for the number nine to score. So you could also say, this is probably why Anthony Martial has probably had a tough season, is that that ball never really comes for the striker. The striker doesn't really get it because the guys in the channel are trying to make their own shot and score goals. That's not an excuse for Martial. That's a different story. But you saw today Cavani, all he had to do was arc his run, stay on side. And for that first goal, he gets the ball at his feet and he scores. We saw with the, his header goal, it's exactly the same thing. The ball comes into the box early. He just has to time his run. And it's absolutely the most easiest goal Cavani will score all season. He does that in training a thousand times a day. A diving header, slightly right of centre, and you just got to hit the target. If you hit the target, goalkeeper's got no chance. So as soon as that ball went in the box, I was on my feet going goal because it was easy. It was an easy goal for him to score. He was going to have to really make a big hash of it for it not to work. But you saw some good things today. United actually passed the ball. Cavani was involved as the nine. It all kind of worked out. I think Tottenham helped United in the sense that Mourinho... I was going to say that, yeah. Mourinho played... Mourinho, they, they played deep and they looked to play the counter too much and they looked like they didn't have the fight in the second half. They certainly don't look like a team that is fighting for Champions League football. They look like a team that might get seventh if they're lucky. Um, and that, of course, is not good enough for Mourinho or for Spurs. But I think what was good to know is that... that Again, Ole worked it out. You know, Ole's going against a generational talent in Jose Mourinho, a manager who's supposed to be a tactical genius, etc., etc., etc. We know all about Jose at this football club. And Ole's tactics work. The 4 2 3 1 does work, just as long as you have a little bit of ball playing. And it was nice that in that second half that they went the whole half, Haydar. They went from 40, minute 45 to minute 90, playing that kind of ball retention style of football one-touch, two-touch, overlap football, bringing in the striker into play and getting their goals. And I think 3-1 was probably a fair result. I like to think it's 4-1, Rob, because <laughs> that first goal should have been disallowed. But just to touch Cavani. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, you know, we wanted revenge, didn't we, after the, the horrible 6-1. I was just saying to someone the other day that our first unofficial um, masterclass was actually after that game. You dropped me a message sort of five minutes oh, before... No. Uh, do you remember that? And you were like, "Look, it was man, like a lifetime ago. <laughs> it felt so long ago as well." Yeah. And then during the during that stream as well, during that podcast, we uh, we saw Liverpool losing seven two to Villa. Um, but no, oh, just to touch on Cavani, Rob, I thought his movement was uh, yeah, that was that was that was quite sweet, wasn't it? But I thought Cavani's movement was was very good today. I think what we saw with him is um, you know he's not going to play every single game. I don't think he's got that in you know he's physically. I don't think he can do that, but. If he's managed correctly and you know he's got a bit of rest, I thought he was fantastic. And um, like you said, that that goal, the header goal was easy. Even the first one, though, the movement and like you said, Pog was passed. Oh, I was impressed with him, and uh, he still has value to add. You know, if United K 
can you know, if they don't sorry if they don't sign a striker and and he has to sign for another year now if he's if he's managed properly if he's not playing week in week out he's going to score goals for united and uh look today he had service didn't he paul pogba was putting the ball in for him uh, other players are putting the ball in for him and uh, he profited from that but uh rob we're going to go to some questions now so let's start with this one here Thoughts on Fred's second half performance? He's a very frustrating player for me. If I'm being honest with you, Rob, I think we know what he can do well. We said that many times on the podcast. You know, he's he can harry uh, opposition players. He, he's aggressive. He's got tenacity. When he on his day, you know, he he can pick a pass. He can break lines with his passing. The biggest problem with Fred is that you know he's he can either his first touch can either let him down. Or uh, he likes to lunge into tackles, and that's a problem when when you're playing in the double pivot. And both both of them do it. Fred and McTominay, for me, they dive in, and instead of sort of you know holding their position, uh, you know puts the back four under pressure. But uh, that second half performance was fantastic, and he he deserved that goal, didn't he? You know he, was, he got into the right area, and uh, yeah, he you know he was key as well for for the last goal as well, playing it into Cavani, he played it into Pogba and to Mason. So uh, good second half performance. Good second half performance. I, I must admit, I've got no problem with my double pivot diving in. Yeah, football is a physical sport. And if you lay one on an opponent and it hurts and it sticks in their head that you're not going to be an easy touch today, I've got no issues with that. I like Fred's aggressive game. I like McTominay's aggressive game. I think that there, there's value in that in a double pivot. What I will say about Fred is this. Manchester United are never going to win the Premier League title with Fred in their midfield. Not, not as a starter. Fred would be great in the squad. You know, if Fred was at Man City, he'd be a good squad player at City, kind of maybe interchanging with Rodri and maybe with Fernandinho, you know, kind of playing that aggressive role from deep, uh, being able to kind of help with the actual press. Um, and he is that kind of player. But he's not the kind of player, let's say, like, let's give it an example here, like, say, Victor Lindelof. Victor Lindelof's not a bad player. You're not going to win the Premier League title with Victor Lindelof as your centre-back. It's just not going to happen. That These are players that maybe are top eight players, I would say. So you, you wouldn't be surprised to see them in a Champions League squad, but you also probably wouldn't be surprised to see them at Leeds United or somewhere like that. So that's the level and that's the basis. I think with Fred, it's a... You know, he deserved his goal today. I'm pleased for him. He works really hard every week when he puts the shirt on. He he goes out there and gives it. But it's something that Ole does need to consider when he's talking about maybe strengthening the squad. Um, and it's matchups as well, Haydar. It's like, what? Where, when do you play certain combinations of players? Now, we know Matic is kind of on his way out. He's too old. He doesn't have the mobility. Um, McTominay is here to stay whether people like it or not McTominay will give you drive at least in the double pivot you can play him in two or three different roles um, but when you look at Fred he's become a kind of press merchant someone who can kind of do the hard graph but not give you the final ball and that's an issue because he came to the football club to be a bit of a ball player he came to yeah. kind of help join the dots he doesn't join the dots he does, you know, what I did like with that goal, you see, is what I want to see more United players do. So when that shot comes off from Cavani, I want to see players explode towards the goalkeeper. Yeah, make a gamble and, make, and for the rebound, yeah. It's it's, the, it's one of those things, that as soon as, if you're an attacker in playing a football, when, it's the first thing you're coached is that when the shot is taken, your first instinctive movement is to go towards goal because you've got to be closer to the ball, case it rebounds, so you can come and get that touch. 
Fred did that today. United very rarely score goals like that. Do we? When do we see goals like happen like that? Very yeah, rarely. The, the we never see Anthony Martial score that goal. Rashford yeah. doesn't score that goal. Mason might score that goal, but they they don't have that kind of front foot thought in their head. Where's today? Would you Fred say it's did. instinctive though, Rob? You either got it or you don't. No, I see. Again, that was another thing that I heard on the telly today about what can you coach. I mean, we're talking about Cavani here in his movement that you can't teach movement. It's just that's, that's just hogwash. Of course, you can teach movement. You teach it and you say, this is the channel. There's the markers. This is what you do. You run across, you stay on side and you practice it a thousand times a day. You can teach movement 100%. No, There's no doubt about it because players do get, be get better as they get older because you learn how to do it. So I think Fred's goal was maybe instinct because we know Fred doesn't normally crash the box. He's not the kind of player to do that, but he kind of followed in and he got his chance and he scored the goal. A very, very vital goal in this match as well. And I want I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that kind of three behind um, Cavani or whoever the striker is to have that instinct to do it. And yes, you can coach it. There's 100%. United used to be really good at that stuff because Fergie used to coach it all the time. I'm sure Ole's telling his players to do it. Whether they always do do it is another matter. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Rob, we've got to mention Dean Henderson. Question here. Don't worry, guys. We weren't going to forget about him because he came off his line maybe three, four times today, Rob. He played with great confidence. Looks like he's number one now as well. And the question here is saying, has Dean's performance today solid? I think I was meant to say consolidated his position as United's number one? I think we even knew this last week, didn't we, Rob? We saw him start the game and we thought he's probably number one. David played midweek and that sort of, that sort of you know, cemented the idea. And then I'm not surprised. I mean, people were surprised that he was starting today. I wasn't surprised. I think we know what's going to happen. We spoke about the goalkeepers last week. But um, look, he played with great confidence and, the amount of times he came off his line, that really surprised me today. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't expect to see him do that. Um, it's a great asset to have, isn't it? Yeah. And as I said in our last show, um, it's it's when we're talking about a squad game, it's difficult to say someone is the number one or the number nine or whatever. Um, what I said last week is it would be interesting to see what happened in Europa League. So if De Gea started the Europa League game, that would give us the indication that that really that Henderson is now the Premier League number one. And that's what we saw today. So it's a big game at Spurs. You know, the, the alpha male didn't come straight back into the team. He played in the Europa League. We know he's the older guy. He's the one who's possibly going to make way. And that Henderson needs opportunities. Uh, I wasn't surprised to see those things that you said there. I, you know, I think Henderson's strengths is that he does come off his line. He's good in the air. He's got those kind of traditional physical uh, attributes. And one of the things that I did today, I watched the game uh, by mistake, actually, without the comment, without the sound on from the crowd, so I could hear the players. And the player you could hear the most on the football pitch was Dean Henderson. Dean Henderson was the guy organising. When he had the ball at his feet or in his hands, he was absolutely instructing everyone around him what to do. Get away from me, go in position, go and do this. Now, I know David De Gea does that as well. I'm not saying De Gea doesn't do it. But it is important if you've got a young goalkeeper comes in that he gives players in front of him confidence as well, that he's got kind of that personality to, to be the big guy, to be the be I am. Do you know what I mean? Have the ego for the position, just in the same way that Schmeichel did. Um, I think that Henderson is closer to Schmeichel than he is, say, van der Sar in terms of style. Yeah, and I that, agree. That fits this defence. You know, you need someone who who's going to kind of come through the box at corners, come for the ball, um, and not do what De Gea does. De Gea obviously always looks to punch. I think Henderson is more uh, likely to try and catch. 
and and not make the errors in the in the air and that you know so you kind of have the the possibility of an of an error is decreased because you've got a goalkeeper who's more interested in handling the ball. So I think that's a good thing. We know he's not great on the ground. He's all right. You know, he's not the he's not the worst. He's probably about the same as De Gea. But it's now about looking towards the future. And if you're going to build a defence, then you need a goalkeeper who plays 20, 30, 40 games a season and does it in a row. And he knows that he's going to start unless he makes errors. So this is what I'm waiting for. If he can kind of get to the end of the season now and not make any errors, and he isn't at the moment, then I think he will be the number one next season. I think there'll be a big question about David De Gea's future. Yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on, Rob. And uh, one, something that I've been impressed with when it comes to Henderson as well is like how quickly he is also to after collecting the ball to start the attacks, yeah. especially his throwing as well. And that's something Much we haven't natural seen. In his game. Yeah, yeah, and we haven't seen that from David enough really um you know i think when De Gea gets he's a little bit more he's a bit more hesitant i mean you see henderson straight on it he's looking around and he's paying that ball forward whether it's a kick or whether it's uh whether it's a throw so no look i actually i i said before this whole sort you know when De Gea went away and uh obviously he had he went back to spain he had he had, he had his wife had a child and you know i said that uh this is really big for henderson i wasn't 100 percent convinced you know that um, but I'm happy to turn around and say, you know, he's really proved me wrong and I'm, I'm delighted. And he, uh, yeah, he fully deserves, he fully deserves a spot right now. But let's uh, touch on another question here, Rob. This is another interesting one. How does it shift Bruno's role when Pogba plays further forward? Right. Well, you know, we know, we know how they play. So four, two, three, one, we know what Bruno does there. So Bruno is effectively the number 10 or traditionally that role, but, plays the press so he'll quite often go further forward above the striker and be the first line of the press um so it doesn't really change any of that because what you are changing is Marcus Rashford's role that's what changes when you play Paul Pogba not Bruno so Bruno will appreciate more ball players around him so he'll be happy I think Pogba being closer to him rather than you know 50 yards that way but he's actually 20 yards this way I think he's happier with that he wants players like that and you see they've got a little bit of a rapport there's a bit of chemistry there it's about what you do with Rashford so obviously like you highlighted it as well Marcus likes to play on the left that's his favourite role coming in on his right. I don't think it takes away from his productivity being in the right channel if that's where you want to start him. He's, you know, he's not the same player, but he still could give you goals and assists. And I think it's all about adapting and players have to adapt. To well, just quickly to play a little bit of devil's advocate. Do you not think that because he is, he's obviously quite, quite obviously injured, he's not 100%. Do you not think that maybe the changing to the right isn't necessarily the reason why he's, his productivity drops. Maybe it's just the fact that he's not fit. Um, you know, he looked better today, but he has been unfit for a long time. We all know that. We all know Oli's played him a lot, even when perhaps we he shouldn't have. I mean, he scored the other day, you know, against Granada. But do you think that's also a factor rather than him? Because, look, he's a footballer, in my opinion. I mean, look, obviously they'll have a favoured side, but he should be able to play on the right. He's, he's, a, he's a top talent. You know, it shouldn't be too much of a, of a difficulty to adjust. There are a few different nuances, but mainly because he's not, he's not 100% fit, you are seeing these the differences when he plays on the left and on the right. Yeah, I think it's about fitness. You know, it, it, we saw it last season. We've seen it in this year. And even in this game, after about 10 minutes, he was kind of hobbling around and you were thinking, hmm, he's not going to last the full game, is he? We know he's not fit. So he's trying to help the team. He's playing in that right channel. It's something he can do. There's no real issue. Like I'm just saying there, in the old days of wingers, 4-4-2, Man United playing that, you couldn't really play a left winger on the right. So you couldn't really play David Beckham 
on the right-hand side. You didn't really play Ryan Giggs on the right. It did happen now and then to kind of maybe if you were coming and playing inside, but generally you kept your width. The right-hand player played on the right with their right boot and the left, uh, the left-footed player plays on the left. There's a kind of structure there. In the modern game, it's not really like that. You, you play across the front three or four positions. So today you saw Marcus for 10 minutes play as the central striker. Cavani dropped in, was doing some tracking. Um, you saw that Pogba in this game played in four different roles uh, in the, in the, on the football pitch. You've got to have that fluidity in your game. And Marcus understands this. You know, you can't just say, well, I've got to start on the left or I'm not, I'm not happy. I don't think there's any of that. Um, I just think with United, it's more about the collective. You know, if they play well together and the ball pops around and they play one or two touch football, they are a better football team. It's just that sometimes the confidence seeps out of them because they start slowly. And then you kind of think, well, you know, what, what's the question here? How do, you, how do you fix this? Is there options on the bench? Does a Donny van der Beek makes it, makes it better in that moment? Well, the answer to that at the moment is no. So, you know, what do you do? Do you, do you now look to someone like Amidialo or something like that? I think with Marcus, it's about having the option of who you play in that right channel. He can play there. I'm happy to see Pogba start on the left. If that means that Rashford's on the right, I don't think it means United lose games because of that. I think it makes them more dangerous. And I think Bruno Fernandes loves it. I think he wants more players around him who who are kind of more like-minded rather than just saying, well, you know, I don't want to be the guy that plays the final ball every time. Sometimes he might want to receive the ball in the box. The problem is that Scott McTominay or Fred are not playing that ball. That's a great point. Something that I did say at the beginning of the show, you know, two creators when him and Pogba play, takes the pressure off him, uh, allows him to have that extra... extra and you know, and Greenwood has improved. Like Green, Greenwood's improved with his all-round game like you highlighted. And Greenwood can absolutely play pick and pop. So he can play one or two touch football around the box. He can be a threat himself when he makes a, a, an opportunity or he's given an opportunity. But you saw today, he's also got the vision to get that ball in early for the striker. Why? Because he knows that's the ball he would want if he was there. He's thinking, I want that ball on the edge there. I just want to dive in header from eight yards out. I put it in the net. Cavani, I'll set it up for you. It's exactly what happened today. Players who understand all the roles in the front four are going to help each other because they understand what those players actually want. Comes with maturity as well, Rob. You know, when Absolutely. we saw Mason last season, he was fantastic after the lockdown, after Project Restart. But one of the things Mason wouldn't have done last season in that position, Rob, I don't think he would have hit it first time. I think he would have got the ball, would have tried to work it onto his yeah. left and had a shot. And that's fine as well. Look, Mason's a fantastic finisher. We know that. But adding this extra sort of, um, you know, I guess weaponry to his to his armory now that he's got. He's able to play. He's able to turn. He's able to dribble. He's he's good in the build up now. He still needs to improve with his back to goal. Uh, I think that's where he struggles perhaps when he plays uh, in the number nine position. But look, he's a fantastic talent, and um, it's great to see his development from this this time uh, you know last year to now. Uh, another question here, Rob. It's a bit more speculative, but if Cavani and Pogba do leave this summer, who would we need to bring in in order to keep the momentum to potentially challenge for the league next season? Look, for me, Rob, the best signing United can make this summer is re-signing Paul Pogba on another deal. Cavani, I'm a little bit up, the, up in the air because I do expect him to go to Boca Juniors. That is what seems to be of seems to be uh, in the, the papers at the moment. Obviously, you've got sources at United. You can correct me if that's not the case. United obviously are interested in a few strikers. There is Haaland, there is Kane. Um, but replacing Paul Pogba is going to be much harder, I think, than than anything else, Rob, because we've really got to go and address 
several key areas in the team. You're taking Paul Pogba. That's that's such a big chunk out of your team. And we've seen when he doesn't play the impact. So, yeah, what, what would you say on that question? You know, who would be brought in to replace these players if they do leave? Look, look, I know it's good to kind of, we're highlighting Cavani because he's had a good game today. He's scored, he's helped the team and all of this. Cavani, Cavani saying at Manchester United will not influence whether United win a title next year or not. Just won't. He'll help United. He's good from the bench. Like you said earlier on, you know, he's an older player. You have to manage his minutes. If we could keep him, great. If he wants to go home, thanks. Bye-bye. You know, thanks for your service for a year. It worked. It was nice. It was lovely. Give us the number seven shirt back, please. We'll give it to someone else. Uh, I think with Pogba, I my preference would be to keep him if you can keep Paul Pogba because I think the transfer market is flat and you might not get the price that you want for him anyway. And if you want to replace what Paul Pogba can do, again, there's not a lot of players out there who can do it. And if you're going to pay that kind of money, then the, the clever bit of business would be to pay Paul Pogba, give him a bigger wage because he's on a good wage, but he's not on the biggest wage in the world. You know, you can pay him more money and you sell him the project. And I think that that's kind of where we are at the moment with Pogba. And it's about how do you improve the team? So Cavani goes, Pogba stays, then what do you do? Well, there's two or three or four options. There's less popular options like bringing back Jesse Lingard. We'll talk about that in a minute. That could be part of the story. Does it have to be the bit that gets you over the line, but it's part of the story? And then you kind of decide what you do with the striker. So, you know, I obviously want Haaland. I'm not going to get off that tip. He's the player that... So, like today, if you have Haaland in your team against this Spurs side, you win 5-1. You do. Just win 5-1. And it's an easy easy day. And we've got nothing to talk about. We're just like United popped it around, played one touch. Haaland got a few chances and scored. So if you get a striker who can do that, a Lewandowski, your version of it, your kind of goal machine, then I think that takes you to another level. More than that, they're kind of looking at what you want to do. Yes, you need a creator, but what you need is options. So Donny van der Beek was supposed to be the option this year and he's not. So that's a problem. So that's where United need to kind of maybe go into the transfer market and explore different players. Um, you know, how long's a piece of string? It's one of these things. You could go and get a Sancho, but do you want to pay 100 million? You could go and get a player that uh, maybe sits a bit deeper in your midfield, maybe someone like a Neves. You might go and get a Destroyer or someone who's even more deeper like an Ndidi. There are players that you can go and get to make about, you, it's about the system, Rob. To really, make you better, it's about the system. The system is four-two-three-one. The system is going to stay four-two-three-one in a transitional four-three-three. You can do that. That's what Ole wants to do, and the squad is kind of set up to do that. And this squad is currently second, deservedly now pulling away from third. And if we end up where we end up now, I think we have to say it's been a successful season. Whatever Manchester City do, whether they win the title or whether it kind of falls away in the last few weeks of the, of the campaign. Um, so that's for me. That's the key is that keep Pogba, but if Pogba goes, and I said this in our last podcast, then you've got a chance to maybe rip it up a little bit. You've got a chance to maybe do something a little bit different, bring in two or three players, maybe on smaller wages, maybe with less personalities, maybe with less kind of superstar status, and do a bit more of a Leicester build through the middle, players that people are maybe not as heard of as much, 20, 30, 40, 50 million pound signings. Then you might go and look at a Grealish. Then you might go and look at a Madison. Then you might go and look at players that can kind of do certain different things, but give you kind of attacking output with a more defined role in the three behind a striker. 
there's lots of exciting options. You know, I think every United fan would kind of like Grealish in that scenario if you lost Pogba. But certainly Grealish wouldn't replace Paul Pogba's skill set because Paul Pogba can play in the double pivot. Yeah. But Grealish can't. But then Grealish might be able to give you something in and around the box in terms of creativity that Manchester United currently do not have. Absolutely. Look, there's, there's several different options when Paul, well, I say when, if Paul Pogba does go, you know, it doesn't have to be a like for like. You can change the system, or it's got to fit the system. You know, at times there are arguments. The system saying, won't you know, change if he goes. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll just change the players. Yeah. yeah, they'll just yeah, bring players. Exactly. In. So that's that's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Rob, let's bring up Lingard because there are a few questions about Lingard. Let's just talk about Lingard's uh, statistics since moving to West Ham. I believe it's him and uh, Ianacho also got a couple today. Uh, it was a great game before the United one. But they were the sort of two players that since Jesse's come in, they've been on the top of the scoring chart. So Jesse's had nine appearances, uh, eight goals, three assists, 72 minutes per goal involvement. He scored and assisted against Leicester, Tottenham, Arsenal, Villa, Leeds, Wolves and Manchester City. Look, I think we're probably going to disagree on this. And I think this is one that has split uh, the fan base. Should we sell him or not? For me, Rob... When I'm looking at Jesse Lingard, I'm absolutely delighted for him. We know what's happened off, off the pitch. We know that he's had issues um, in terms of you know mental health and a lot going on in his personal life. But for me, Rob, look, finally of his contract, he's benefiting from the fact from the fact that West Ham he has a bit more time and space on the ball. He's playing in the side where he's more of a focal point. He's getting regular minutes. Let's not forget that. If United can maximize the money, and they should be asking now, I know he's got a year left, but they should be asking, you know. 30, 40 million. Honestly, I do think that. I honestly think just just get let him go and play. Let him go and enjoy his career. He's been he's been fantastic for West Ham. Let him go and play regularly, especially he's he's approaching, you know, sort of 28, or I think he is. And uh United reinvest that money. I just think that there's no it's no it's not fair for him as well to sit on the bench because that's what he's gonna do at Manchester United. He's not gonna play as much, and I just think that he's just more suited to where he is right now. Right, I, I, I'll, I'll frame it like this. I don't care about Jesse Lingard. And what I mean by that is that in football terms, football is a cruel business and you have to perform to do to get the kudos, to get the wage, to get the fans on your side. I get all of those things. Uh, I've read today a lot of United fans going, oh, isn't it great Jesse's doing well at West Ham? I couldn't give two hoots of what Jesse Lingard's doing at West Ham because he's benefiting West Ham. So good for him. But what's good for Manchester United? This is what we have to look at now. What takes United to the next level? So it becomes a kind of chess game again, Haydar. Is that, again, if you were looking at it from a football manager, FIFA point of view, then yeah, I probably sell Jesse Lingard. I get rid of him because I want a better player with a higher running stats. I want somebody who runs at 78 rather than 72 and all of that rubbish that goes with it. But that's not real. It's not real. Would I prefer Jesse Lingard today, the one that we're seeing at West Ham, than Donny van der Beek? Yeah, 100%. Do I want that Jesse Lingard giving me an option in and around the box in transition and hitting the target and scoring goals? Yeah, I do. Now, I think it's fair to say, like you kind of you hinted at there, obviously being at West Ham and playing minutes is the key to all of this, is why he's scoring goals and being involved. And that he's kind of getting more chances in and around the box. Uh, I don't subscribe to that in the sense that I think West Ham play a fairly rigid style there. They're not, you know, they're not that creative. I see people today calling David Moyes a genius and stuff. It's just weird. It's not true. They're playing well, but they're in an incredible position. West Ham have done really kind of fantastic stuff this year, but they're just still West Ham to me. You know, they're, they're, I don't see anything particularly special. Not like, say, with Leicester, 
look like a, a genuine top four team normally rather than just this week. I think with Jesse Lingard, I would be more than happy to see him back at the football club if he was a if it was about the bigger picture, you know. And I don't care if he sits on the bench. Yeah, I want him to come on and do what he's supposed to do. Now, what I think has happened with Jesse, rather than just all the stuff that's happened in his private life and all of these things that's that's helped uh, and his mental health and all the stuff that everyone's read about, it's more about production. Can you get productivity out of a player in 20, 30, 40 minutes? And if Lingard can prove what he's doing now at West Ham, this he's really doing fantastic stuff. What happens, Haydar? You can actually give Bruno Fernandes a night off every now and then. You can say, Jesse, I'm going to give you 90 minutes this week because you're hitting the target, you're scoring goals. So that's the carrot. And, and I think Jesse Lingard wants to come back to Manchester United. I think if United offer him the contract tomorrow and they were good terms and he was going to get more playing time and he was trusted and all of those things, I think Jesse Lingard goes, yeah, I'm up for it. Because you know what? Jesse Lingard's not going to win anything at West Ham. Not ever happening. He might be a kind of little cult hero for two or three or four years, but so what? You know, you got paid, you lived in London. That was a nice little kind of few, few you know, moments in your career. I don't, think I don't think that's what Jesse Lingard wants. I want Jesse Lingard wants to win trophies. He was brought up at a football club that won trophies. That's what he's from. He's from the Ferguson school. This is what he wants. So I'm not going to say, I think that fans again, and you know, it's my favorite word, are just way too binary. It's like, well, yeah, sell him, you get 20, 30 million, then you go and buy another player for 20, 30 million. If it was as easy as that in recruitment, you just do it all the time. Every player you didn't like, you got rid and you buy another one. But of course, we know we live in these COVID times, the finances are not there. And it's it's a gamble every time you buy someone. You know, if you buy Fred for 52 million, you think you're getting a 52 million pound midfielder, don't you, straight away? Hmm. You know, if you buy Donny van der Beek, who's been in Champions League semi-finals, you're thinking this player could take United to a Champions League semi-final. He can't even get in a Premier League team. I think so the biggest thing... All of those things. So Jesse Lingard at least has got the pedigree and he's showing he's also got the form and the quality. And it's just about trust. If I'm putting Jesse on to run, Haydar, for 20 minutes just to run channels, then he's probably going to look crap, isn't he? You know, yeah. and that's what that's what Solskjaer's done. That's what Mourinho did. He was a runner. You put him on for energy and you say, yeah, do that. He, he, he wasn't allowed to create or be a creator. Now, as a number 10, he's allowed to pick the ball up around the box, play passes, get closer to the box and take chances. At United, he's like, give the ball to Marcus. Give the ball to Mason. Give the ball to Anthony Martial. That was his role. And of course, if you do that, you're not going to really look that great, are you? So it's about how you use them more than is he going to stay at the football club. I think he might stay at the football club, but, you know, let's stop the fancy football. I know people say, well, get rid of him and bring in Rice. All right, you, you got you got to be sensible though, Rob. Let's be honest. We're in COVID times. The finances aren't exactly, you know, we're not going to have a lot of money in the summer. Whether the 60 million is true or not, we don't know the actual budget, but it's not going to be a lot. People that think we're going to go and spend 250 million plus just need to get 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 with the program a little bit. And United have got to be smart. They've actually got an asset, and they very rarely do have an asset, Rob, that people want to buy, that people want to, that people want to you know, almost uh, have a bidding war with. We've got Jesse Lingard, lesser in link with him. We know that Arsenal the other day were linked to them as well. United need to maximize this. And I just think that. You know, we do talk about this, oh, we'll put it towards Rice, but United have to be smart. If they can knock down the deal for other players or they can have that discussion, United have to do that. And that's how I see it. I understand what you're saying. You know, that of course you have to million, have it. You know, that yeah. 25 million here no one's isn't saying exactly don't have it. There. 
No, I'm I just I just wouldn't bring him back if I'm being no, honest look, with you. Do you know what? If 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 PSG if, if PSG ring up United and go, do you know what? What you want, Jesse Lingard, and we'll give you Neymar. You have that conversation, don't you? You know, if West if West Ham say, yeah, we we'd like Jesse Lingard, and we'll and we'll give you Rice, and that's part of the deal. Then you have that conversation. It doesn't mean it works out. So again, I think fans think it's all really simple, and you kind of trade one player for another, and that's that's the easiness of football. Where you just kind of get rid of one and bring in another. But as I always keep saying every week. It's not as easy as that. So it, it, what it's more likely to be is do you bring back Lingard and move out van der Bake? That's a more likely option in terms of like for like because you're bringing in maybe a bench player for a bench player and might give you maybe some upside when he's on the football pitch because he's got more kind of Premier League acumen. He's got better form. He's scoring goals. He shows you can second man run. He can create. He can kind of do the stuff that, say, today you would have had him doing, you know, in and around Cavani, helping Cavani main, kind of play the two-man game. But United don't have options like that. So that's why I say that Lingard is not off the table. You know, Ling you wouldn't say just sell him like that, which is what most United fans are saying. They're going, just get rid, 20, 30 million, it's as easy as that. It's not as easy as that. But yeah, if they say, we'll give you rice and this is the deal and we want to do this. Someone said, uh, I read today, a straight swap. It's, what? Straight yeah, swap? No. Yeah, no. Like, I jokingly, it's, I jokingly it's said like that. my mind. Straight I jokingly spots. said 80 what? million for Lingard. Every every time he scores a goal, you add an extra 10 million on. Yeah, look, and also, that's another reason why it doesn't work like that. So even if you have a good run of form, it doesn't mean the price starts to go up. So people think, oh, he went there as a 20 million pound player, but because he's now had 10 minutes of good form, he's now a 40 million player. It doesn't really work like that. Football clubs are not that stupid. So they do want Jesse Lingard, West Ham. There's no doubt about it. Jesse Lingard, I'm sure, would consider going to West Ham because he's scoring goals. The environment works for him there. Um, but I do also think that he would love to come back to Manchester United and give it another go. Is he the right player or the wrong player? We can't really say that till next year. You know, if he comes back to the team and the team restructures a little bit, then we might see that Jesse Lingard is the player that we want him to be. Or we might see the Jesse Lingard from six months ago, 12 months ago, and then we can say, right, time to move him on and there's a few players like that isn't there you we can say that about say two and zabi you could say that about um kind of uh any of the kind of lone players on the periphery you could say that now maybe about maybe anthony martial do you move him on and bring in someone else who's going to be a primary player you know all of these questions are all up in the air they can only really be solved in the summer but i'm not against it this is the thing i think a lot of fans kind of close their heads off and they kind of go i only think we should sell him because that means then we buy someone else well you might sell him and get someone who's worse. Well, we've seen this, uh, you know, sort of just to draw this to a close, Robert. We've seen it. Um, Donny van der Beek, for me, is actually a Jesse Lingard replacement. I don't believe he's a Pogba replacement. They don't play similar ways. But actually, who would you prefer right now? Who's who's adapted? I know Donny's taking time to adapt. But you take Lingard every single day of the week right now. Yeah, I'm seeing in the comments as well. What's this uh, Mourinho uh, comment? Have we got this uh, that we can uh, bring up? Yeah, I can bring it up. So here from Omka has provided this for us. So Mourinho has said, for those listening on Spotify or Apple, Sonny is very lucky that his father's a better person than Ollie because a father you have always to feed your kids. It doesn't matter what they do. What is he talking about? He's just trying to deflect, isn't he? Continued, if you have to steal to feed your kids, you steal. I've told Ollie what I think about his comments. I don't know what Ollie's comments are, by the way, guys. I'm, he must have said something um, about about Son. Probably uh, something about rolling around on the ground yeah. and getting touched in the face. Look, 
All players do it, especially forward players. Marcus did it, I think, literally 10 minutes before. You know, if you get a touch, you feel a touch, you're going to roll around on the ground. It's up to referees to then apply the letter of the law to stuff that is genuinely a foul and generally isn't. So I'm sure that Ole commented on something like that. Uh, we'll close the show on Jose. Jose Mourinho, I wanted him at Manchester United, then I didn't. It took me three years to to get there and to basically want him out of the football club. Um, and I think, kind of, oh, we got the comment here. Is that it there coming up? Yeah, so the comment, this was Ollie on Son. We shouldn't be conned. I have to say, if my son stays down for three minutes and needs his 10 mates to help him up, he won't get any food. Thank you, Omka, for providing us with the comments. I love that. That's fantastic from Jose. <laughs> You know, that's fantastic it, from Ole. Yeah. That's fantastic sorry, from Ole. Ole yeah. yeah, not Jose. Sorry, sorry. I, I look Ole, at it yeah. like this. I look at it with, with Jose, Jose Mourinho, his style of football is all very well and good, but there cannot be one Spurs fan that was watching that Tottenham team in the last 12 months feeling happy. You cannot be. And that was where we were in the final season of Jose. Yes, he won the Europa League. Yes, he came second in the Premier League by a thousand points or whatever it was, you know, behind the champions. That might be where we are this season. People will say, oh, have you made progress? I was thinking this at the end of this game. I am so much happier watching this Manchester United team than I ever was watching Jose Mourinho's team at all. Jose Mourinho's team for the first six months were fun. When they win, when they won those two trophies and obviously the, the community shield as well, it was fun. And then after that, it wasn't much fun. So that's football in a nutshell. Sometimes you're either entertained or you're not, but it's about getting the tactics to get you onto the next level, isn't it? And I think when you look at Ole, people, I, I think the problem with Ole is that people look at this nice guy image and think that's who he is. And I think you see from that comment there that there's a little bit of a sting in the towel from Ole. And that's how he manages the football club and his players respect him for it. It works. He's second in the league. He's just beaten Jose Mourinho on their own pitch. And, and he's taken back. I like it that when United lose to a team, that in the next match, they generally work it out. So they lost 6-1 and it was humiliating. And everyone was like, oh, Jose winning at Old Trafford. But then we went to their place and really tore them apart in the second half. It could have been more goals, as you said, could have been 4-1. And that has to go on the manager. The manager has to say that he's part of that. And, and it's good. I think Jose Mourinho will be sacked within the next six months or a year. I don't think Tottenham Hotspur are going to win anything. If they win the League Cup against Manchester City, it will be because Manchester City are not bothered and don't want to win it, not because Tottenham are great. And I think that this Tottenham team are currently nowhere near this Manchester United team. Yeah, absolutely spot on. I, I would like to say as well that uh, I echo your views on Jose Mourinho. That's how I felt as well during the time. I thought he'd bring back the glory days. But you know what? What I'm liking from Oli especially when it comes to Jose, there's a little bit of bite. You know, there's a little bit of uh, cheekiness as well. It's not not so much, you know, sort of the nice guy. And I like that. I want to see that. And to be honest with Jose, Jose is doing what he always does. He's deflecting. He's uh, creating a, you know, a sort of a storm with his comments. So it takes away from the fact that Deflection. Spurs were toothless today. Yeah. Spurs yeah, no, and, and I think with all those comments as well, one of the things there just to add on is that he's talking about Sun staying on the ground. So Sun did stay on the ground for almost two or three minutes and it was all through the VAR thing. So really what Sun did was assimilate. You know, he, he, he laid on the ground and he lied. So that is correct. So it could have been a foul. Yeah, like if, you, if the referee decides that his hand goes in his face and that's a foul, that's a foul. Fair enough. But he hasn't hurt him. Therefore, don't roll around on the ground for three minutes. I think that was Ole's point. And I think Gary Neville did say at that point that if Sun doesn't go down at all, there's no foul. It doesn't happen. 
But this is why players do it. I don't blame Son because I think his job is to win the game for Tottenham. Um, and that's a little tate our tate with Ole and with Jose. It's quite funny. But I think... Uh, the fact that Jose's bitten there and risen to the challenge is more about him deflecting that his team are garbage and that his management at the moment is absolutely garbage. Yeah, now you mean carried by Harry Kane and that's why Harry Kane wants to leave, pure and simple. If I'm Harry no, Kane no. that game today, again, watching it, I'm thinking, if I'm Harry Kane in this football team and I'm playing as the 10 and then as the 9 later on nine, and yeah. I'm playing, and then you bring on Gareth Bale to, hate, uh, to help me, you know, a player from Real Madrid, a generational talent and all of this, and we still can't create chances, I'm thinking, I'm on my bike, I'm off. I don't think Harry Kane will end up at Manchester United. I think maybe... He's the kind of guy that might end up as a Real Madrid recruit. I can, I can see him like at City, that. Rob. I really can see him at City. I think. I don't we'll think City, City won't pay. They'll City won't pay the money for him. They're not going to pay the money for him. Harry Kane's going to cost 150 million. Yeah, Harry Kane will become the most expensive English footballer of all time. There's no doubt about it, and he will be close to that Neymar figure. Um, but of course, if you're talking those figures, then it's like it it shrinks down as to who is actually going to spend that money. Manchester City are not going to spend three big figures. They're not going to spend the 100 million mark on a new striker this year. They are going to buy Danny Ings. Someone like that, that costs you 30, 40, 50, 60 million. That's the ballpark they'll shop in. And it might be the ballpark that United shop in as well. United might say, do you know what? Danny Ings improves us. He can be our number nine next year. We move Anthony Martial out the football club. That balances the books. You might get 30, 40 million for Martial. You might have to pay 50 for Ings. And then you're not paid so much, but you've changed your team. Do you see what I mean? So I think that's what Manchester City will do. And I think Harry Kane will, will be asking to leave the club. I think he might end up at somewhere like PSG. That might be, for me, a, a football club that have got incredible wealth, similar to Manchester City. But, you know, who can actually really afford him? Um Real Madrid, I think they might like him in terms of a, a premium talent who can sell shirts and be their next hero. He'd be great in La Liga. I think he'd do really, really well there. And even Barcelona, Harry Kane in front of Lionel Messi for a season suit. Sounds interesting. Absolutely. And that's Not a great coming to United, way. though. Not coming yeah. to United. Yeah, I don't think so as well. But Rob, that's, that's a great way to end it. And look, guys, thank you so much for all your engagement. It's always fantastic. Thank you for your comments. All the retweets are really appreciated. Get this out, you know, grow this Mastercast community, this Mastercast family. Myself and Rob are really grateful for all your input. You can also find us on Sports Social. That's UK's first dedicated sports podcast networks. Check our page out on there. You'll see a little description of myself and Rob. And that's www.sport-social.co.uk. And to I'm add... Sure and yeah, to add, just on. before we go, just go, we've got a new website being launched as well uh, for the soon. Masterclass. And it's going to be very much similar to this show. So if you like this show, you'll like the website as well. There'll be tactical pieces about the team, um, both from myself and from other writers. And what we really want to do there is to kind of just create a conversation where we have a, a bespoke amount of articles where we can talk about the things that we talk about in this show. No shouting, no clickbait. No fan channel kind of uh, semantics and people jumping up and down and crying. I'm sure there'll be people today going, oh, Manchester United should have won 25 nil or whatever. <laughs> we don't do that. We're never going to do that. And the website will also support that. So you'll get one or two or three articles new a week. I'll edit them and make sure they're all up there and you can read them all. You can then read them on your smartphones, on your iPads. You can read them on your tablets, whatever you want to do. And you can kind of stick up to date with the latest tactics of Manchester United. So if there's a big shift and Ole tries something different because he's bought new players or Pogba's playing now in the 
regularly behind the striker or Cavani's up there or something a little bit different that changes week to week will reflect that and we'll feed that to you so you can read on it and then you can obviously come on and comment on the show. Absolutely. We're really excited about that. And also, uh, obviously, Rob will be doing regular articles on there. But also shout out to my brother, Hass, who is the producer, and he will be the one sort of, you know, running that. So uh, just give him a little shout out because he's uh, working hard on that. Rob, thank you very much for joining. Guys, thank you very much for all your fantastic comments. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and we will see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.